Well, this time we want to talk about sometimes I'm afraid I'll fail. We're doing a series of teachings, all starting with the word sometimes, because there are aspects of life that I've been looking at in my own life, and I've been realizing how much I need to change some things, and I'm trying to find the Bible truths to show me how to change and what to change and the results of those changes. And then I'm writing teachings on what I'm learning. So this time we're talking about sometimes I'm afraid I'll fail. Everyone faces a fear or two in their lifetime. One fear that I've faced a number of times over the past 50 plus years in ministry has been fear of failure. It looked a little different each time. Uh, fear of not being able to live up to my ordination vows. Fear of failing to be adequate enough in my first parish where I was working by myself as the lead pastor. Fear of preaching when I first started. Fear of starting an independent church when I left the denomination I was in. Fear of overseas ministry and the unknown over there after communism fell. Fear of not honoring the name of Jesus by my life and lifestyle. Fear of pushing too hard and burning out, not finishing the race. Here's one that is still there behind the scenes, digging at me on occasion. Fear of not finishing the race wisely and finishing it in a way that honors God. The writer of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Run with endurance the race that is set before us. And sometimes I fear that I might not finish well. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Do you not know that a race in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so sometimes I ask myself the question, what if my preaching doesn't reach the lost? What if I make a bad decision and turn thousands away from Christ instead of towards Christ? What if my advice to a pastor does not help but hinders their ministry? So we all have fears that we face on a regular basis. What if I say the wrong thing to the non-believer and he never knows God because of me? What if I miss the opportunity that God regularly gives me to tell others about the love of God found in, only found in Jesus? What if my children, who are not honoring or serving God today, never return to the faith they once knew? Whatever our responsibilities are at home, at work, on the job, we take them seriously, and we certainly don't want to fail. But at times there is that fear of failure that creeps in. And that's my topic. Sometimes I'm afraid, I have fear that I'll fail. As I was thinking about this whole area of fear of failing, I came to realize how close this topic is to another topic, the topic of obeying God. 
But often God asks us to do something different or something new, do something I'm decently good at, but do it in a different way, a new way. And I submit to my fear of failure and then don't obey God. I fail to do what God is asking me to do in the way that he wants me to do it. Just because it's new, it's different, it's never been, I've never been this way before, and I allow that fear of failure to come into my life. So there's a link, in my mind anyways, between obedience and failure. The devil, our spiritual enemy, does everything in his dark power to scare you away from obeying and receiving God's best. So it would be good to start learning to see failure. At least I think it's good to start learning to see failure God's way. Because his way is different than the way we tend to see and handle the fear of failure in our own lives. And Jesus illustrates the fear of failure in Matthew chapter 25. <clears throat> and in this passage, he talks about a wealthy man who entrusted his money to three servants to invest on his behalf. And when the man checks up on his servants, one of them said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, so I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So I noted that phrase. So I was afraid and I hid my talent. So let's read the whole story. Matthew chapter 25. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. We're starting at verse 14. Again, heaven's kingdom realm is like the wealthy man who went on a long journey, and he summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over to them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the third a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. And the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. And the one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000, saying, See, I have doubled your money. Commending his servant, the master replied, You've done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you have been a faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master, who will say to you, come, celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came in and said, see, my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master said, you too have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small amount, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come, celebrate with me. 
Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, Look, sir, I know you are a hard man to please, and you are a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. Angered by what he heard, the master said to this third servant, You're an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was shrewd and a ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it all back with interest when I returned. Because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has will for the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance, and the one with hardly anything, even what little he has, will be taken from him. Then the master said to his other servants, Now throw this good for nothing servant far away from me into the outer darkness, where there will be great misery and anguish. The master was a businessman, and he did not honor the servant who was cautious and fearful. Remember, we're talking about the fear of failure. In fact, he called this third servant a wicked, lazy man. And he took the money away from the fearful servant and gave it to another servant. The one who had risked his money, stepped out in faith, and multiplied it. Who was the man who was not crippled by fear. Now, this is a parable, a simple story to present and explain a spiritual truth or a kingdom principle. So what motivated the unfaithful servant? Fear of failure. Because of it, he avoided risk by burying his master's money. And in the parable, the master is God, the servant is you, and the gold coins are your skills, your abilities, your gifting, your calling. And failure resulted from not obeying. I said there was a link between failure and obedience. He didn't obey because of fear, and thus he failed his master. He was not obedient to what his master told him to do. And often, you and I, we don't accomplish what God has and is even today calling us to do because of fear, because of fail fearing failure. And as I read this story over and over and over again, I asked myself, what am I afraid of? What is keeping me from moving forward in life? What prevents me from doing what I know God has asked me as a believer to do? What fear keeps me from telling others about Jesus? And those are good questions. Good questions to ask yourself from time to time. You know, God invites us into a fantastic adventure as his disciple. An adventure that will make a difference in the world in which each one of us lives. But rather than accepting the invitation to make a difference, to go on this adventure, this journey, lots of Christ followers play it safe. Rather than obey and use their talents, their skills, their gifts, their calling to honor God, they let the fear of failure derail them. 
That's what the unfaithful servant did. He hedged his bets, he avoided his fear, and he buried his master's money. He didn't use his talents. His decision forfeited any future opportunity to make a difference for his master. There was no second chance. What if Jesus took your opportunities, my opportunities, and gave them to somebody else? Scientists once conducted a very interesting experiment. In the middle of a room, they hung a bushel of fresh bananas halfway up a pole. And then they let four monkeys loose in the room. Immediately, of course, the hungry monkeys dashed towards the bright yellow bananas hung halfway up a pole. And as they climbed the pole, the scientists blasted the monkeys with icy cold water. The monkeys backed off, regrouped, and made a second attempt. And as they started to climb the pole, once again, they received this discouraging dosing of cold water. After several unsuccessful attempts, the monkeys became convinced that failure was inevitable and they finally stopped trying. The next day, the researchers removed one of the four monkeys and replaced him with a new monkey. What did the rookie do? He went straight for the bananas. But before he even reached the pole, the three veteran monkeys pulled him away. Undeterred, the new monkey tried again. And again, his compassionate roommates intervened. At last, he gave up and adopted his fatalistic attitude that those bananas were not for them. Each day, the scientists replaced one of the original monkeys with a new one. So, by the fifth day, four monkeys occupied the room. Not one of those monkeys had ever been sprayed with cold water. But from that day forward, whenever a new monkey was traded in, the others would prevent him from going for the bananas without even knowing why. Four had failed, and they conditioned the novices to not even try. This happens to us as believers more often than we care to admit. People hear what we're trying to do and tell us all the reasons we shouldn't try. You were in a friendship that didn't work, so you decide not to risk another attempt with someone else. You were married, and the marriage failed, and others tell you just stay single. Your first child was a pain in the neck and totally upset your life, so you don't ever have a second one. You know, once burnt, twice shy. Eventually, to avoid potential failure, to avoid potential pain in failing, people stop trying and abort their dreams. They bury their gold coins. So here's my advice. Don't let the fear of failure make a monkey out of you. Sorry about that. I couldn't resist. So let's dig in and look at this fear of failure. Your spiritual enemy, the devil, wants to steal, kill, and destroy God's purpose for your life. That's John 10.10. And that's what he does. And fear is his main weapon. But the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given to us a spirit of fear. Fear of failure does not come from God. So it's time to face this giant in our life, recognize it's from the devil, and defeat it. And the way to defeat the fear of failure is to realize that God has some important things to say about failure. 
And as we look at these truths about failure, receive these truths about fear and failure, they'll give you a pathway to freedom from failure. So I'm going to number the points so that you can grab hold of them easily. Point number one, the failure fact. You will fail. I know that's a strange way to begin a journey to being free of the fear of failure, but it's a fact. You will fail. God's approach to failure starts with the fact that you will fail. I know that doesn't sound very encouraging, and that may not seem to be a pleasant truth, but if you want to defeat the destructive fear of failure, grab hold of this starting point. Failing is part of life. The Bible states, James chapter 3, verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. So all of us stumble and fall. All of us will fail at something. And not just in some ways, but according to James, in many ways. We all stumble in many ways, James 3, 2 says. And failing is a part of learning and growing and becoming all that God wants us to become. And if we work to avoid the risk of failing, then we will never grow and we will never become who God wants us to be. Failure is always the way forward if, big if, if we learn from our failures. And remember, just because you fail at something, that doesn't make you a failure. And that's my point number two. Failure is an event, not a person. Never a person. The world may tell you as you fail at something that you are a failure. And that's a false assessment of the situation. You need to understand that failure is not personal. It is simply an event in your life as you grow and mature and become all that God wants you to be. And that goes for all failures. If you failed in your marriage and got divorced, if you failed in your finances and declared bankruptcy, if you failed to raise your children and they won't talk to you and have rejected your lifestyle, if you failed to win someone to the Lord and you're a terrible disciple maker, if you failed at your job and got fired or laid off, if you failed because you were poor, you made poor child raising decisions, if you failed because you didn't go to university, if you fail as a believer because you've fallen into sin, there's no end to the list of ways we can fail, the ways that we don't measure up, that we fall short. But those do not make you a failure. Failure is an event, not a person. Number three, God often accomplishes good results through failures. In other words, you learn a lot about life, you learn a lot about yourself, if, again, a big if, you take the time to pull out the lessons from the failure, from the event where you failed. God teaches you life lessons through your failure. God works in us and in you through your failures. As long as you take time to ask yourself, what did I learn? Over the years in my time of failure, as I read through my journals, I've learned humility, I've learned dependence upon God. I learned to stop feeling sorry for myself. I learned to pick myself up and get back on the horse. I learned to conquer many of my fears. I learned to study harder. I learned to pray more. I learned to continue to read and develop myself. 
I learn to allow God in all areas of my life and truly make him Lord. I learn to put more confidence in his presence than in my abilities. I learned, most importantly, I think, that failure is only temporary. I have learned more from my failures than I have from my wins or from my successes. So every time I fail, I ask God, what is he wanting to teach me? What is he trying to show me? Everyone fails. Failure is an event, not you, the person. Failure is never permanent unless you refuse to learn from your failures and from your mistakes. Point number four. With God, you can overcome failure. So we need failure in order to grow and mature and become who God created us to be. But failure is not your friend. It is an obstacle. It is an enemy to overcome. And we grow from failure through the lifelong experience of learning to defeat it. So remember, failure is a giant that will conquer you and defeat you if you attack it on your own. But with God, you can overcome failure. Proverbs 24, 16 says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. The righteous person is the one who lives depending on God. You're not doing it on your own. So we grow from our failure through a lifelong experience of learning to defeat it. But failure is a giant that will conquer you and defeat you if, if, again a big if, you attack it on your own. So the proverb says, though a righteous man falls. So this righteous person is the one who's living depending on God, not doing it on his own. So if you fall, if you fail, with God's help, you can get back up. If you fall, if you fail a second time, he'll help you up again. Three times, he's still there, and he'll do it again. You can do it again and again and again and again. Seven times in the verse is not literally seven times. It's basically God saying his promise never expires. Being knocked down does not mean you have been knocked out. However, here's a warning. God often uses others to help you get back up. Don't ever try to get back up on your own. Point number five. Failure is often the price you pay for progress. During seasons of failure, God is shaping us, and that's the progress he's looking for in your life. If we take a risk, we might not succeed. But if we avoid all risks, we guarantee that we won't succeed. And that's what the parable of the rich man and his three servants that we're looking at is trying to teach us. That if we avoid all risks, we guarantee we won't succeed. And that we will miss so much of what God wants us to learn and miss so much of what God wants to teach us. We will never become all that God wants us to be if we avoid taking a risk. So when you fail or struggle with failure, look for what God is teaching you. Because failure is often the price you pay for progress. What's happening to you is not as important as what God is doing in you. And you will not make any progress without failure. So hang in there and don't give up. Eventually, you will learn. 
You will grow and you will succeed God's way and on God's timetable. That's why Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So failure is the price you and I pay for growing and becoming who God wants us to be. And through failure, we will be stronger and wiser than we are today. So point number five was failure is often the price you pay for progress. Point number six, fail by faith. In other words, take faith risks, even if it means you're going to fail. The way you please God is to open yourself up to the potential of failure. Open yourself up in faith. You cannot please God by giving in to complacency and comfort and safety. You must not be passive. You have to be actively engaged in life, in relationships, in your walk with him, in touching others for Jesus. We must embrace all of life and live life wide open. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please God. In other words, you cannot play it safe and please God. It's impossible. So my point, point number six, <coughs> fail by faith. Take faith risks. To become who God created you to be, you cannot eliminate risk. You must risk. You must step out in faith. Don't avoid risks, but take the right risks. Take what I call faith risks. A faith risk is when you believe God is calling you to do something you can't do on your own. A faith risk is when you pull away from the shore and launch into the deep. A faith risk is when you stop making excuses. You know, excuses like, well, at this point in my life, if you were my age, you'd understand. Given my health, in my financial condition, if you understood where I'm coming from. In other words, there's reasons that we make, excuses that we make that we can't afford to take risks. And these reasons are infinite. You can just go on and on with the list. But if you're thinking this way, you will never take a faith risk. And thus you will never please God because you will not be walking by faith. Faith is believing what you can't see, following a voice you can't prove you heard, living by principles that God says are true, but don't make sense in this world. Faith is believing in what you can't see, following a voice you can't prove you heard, and living by principles that God says are true, but don't make sense in this world. Without faith, you cannot please God. So be prepared to step out in faith, understand that you will fail by faith, and that you need to take risks. Do you remember the story about Jesus' disciples riding in a boat during the storm? And Jesus wasn't with them, and they were freaking out, which is exactly what you and I would be doing, riding in a small rickety fishing boat during a perfect storm. That's when Jesus miraculously walked towards them on the water, and then the disciples really started to freak out, thinking Jesus was a ghost. Trying to calm them, Jesus said, Take courage, it is I. Then one of his disciples spoke up, and above the terrified shouts of the others, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. 
And that's Matthew 14, 28. And Jesus replied with just one word, come. Is Jesus saying that to you in some area of your life currently? Come, follow me. Come, let me lead. Come, leave your comfort zone. Leave your comfort behind. Come, try again. Come, trust me. The next line of Matthew's story always amazes me. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Would I have done what Peter did? Would you have done what Peter did? Eleven other disciples didn't, even though they had seen the same miracles and spent the same time with Jesus that Peter did. They stayed in the boat. Can't tell you why they wouldn't hop onto the choppy, icy water. But I know why I most likely would have stayed in the boat. I would be afraid I'd sink. Ah, the fear of failure again. Why did Peter do it? I believe because he understood how God views failure, faith, risk. I believe he understood that God was an unfailing father. And that is point number seven. God never fails. How can you become firmly convinced of God's absolute trustworthiness that he will always help you up? Peter's courageous move shows us the only way. You have to step out to find out. You will never know what God can do through you until you leap over the side of the boat and get your feet wet. So what are you waiting for? Fear of failure is natural to those of us who don't like pain. But if you haven't noticed by now, one of great life's greatest pains is regret. If you don't face your fear, if you don't climb your mountain, if you don't cross your ocean, if you don't get out of the boat, one day you will wake up and voice one of the most excruciating statements in your life. The words of regret. I wished I would have. I wonder what would have happened if. I always thought I was supposed to, but I never tried. I always thought I'd have time for, but now it's too late. If you don't confront and subdue your fear of failure, you will certainly live with the pain of regret. So here's the failure fact, you will fail. And the failure fallacy reframed is that failure is an event, never a person. Failure's function is that God often accomplishes good results through failure. Failure fighting fellowship means that with God, you can overcome failure and he often uses other people to help you. Failure facing forward means failure is often the price you pay for progress Failure by faith means that you must take faith risks, and the unfailing father is that God never fails. You, I, can defeat the fear of failure. But to do so, we must step out of the boat and risk failing. <laughs>